Welcome to another episode of My Best of Eleven podcast. Today we are joined um, by Matthew Taylor, um, or Matty Taylor, as a lot of people at Marv call him all the time. So um, Matthew Taylor spent a lot of time um, his career at Luton, started his career uh, coming through the youth ranks at Luton, then had a big money transfer across to Harry Redknapp um, over at Portsmouth, spent time at Bolton, West Ham, Burnley um, and Northampton. Uh, and managed to get a few England under 21 caps and caretaker manager, which I wasn't aware of um, for, a, for a one or two games at Swindon. Um, and is currently the under 18 coach at Tottenham. Matty, how are you? I'm okay, mate. You? Yeah, it's good. How does it feel for me to rattle through all of that? Does it feel like it, I know it doesn't do it justice? Um, but... <laughs> no, it seems a long time ago, to be honest. It's, um, you know, the, the start of my career and how it went so quickly. It's just, I think probably in three or four years' time, when I've really had time to sit back and look at it, I'll uh, probably appreciate it a bit more. But what I will say is that Luton was the perfect start for me in terms of everything about the club at the time. Brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. Was it old heads like Marv that, uh, that helped you through? Hello, Marv. How are you? I'm good, Andrew. Thank you. I'm look, I mean, look, look at Benjamin Button here, uh, actually. And for those who obviously can't see and are listening to the podcast, it's Benjamin Button, Andrew. He's, he looks so in mint condition, he is. Unreal. You good, tell? You tell my missus that, please, Marv. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, mate. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a bit good. hoarse because we've had right. a couple of games this week and... Uh, I tend to shout every day in training at the games, but um, <clears throat> other than that, I'm good. Excellent. Awesome. So what we'll do is we'll get going. Um, and what we do, those people who haven't listened to the podcast before, is we go through basically your best 11 team that you have ever set foot on a park with. So that includes um, youth players, includes um, England under 21 players, all the way through your career, but you have to set foot on a um, on a pitch with them at some point. So, um, first off, we always start with, uh, and it's even more interesting now you're into management, what's your formation and what helps you create the formation for this team? Um, was it down to the players that you had to fit in or was it down, are you more of a traditionalist kind of, no, they have to fit into my system? No, it was the players. When I went through it, it was 100% the players. When I looked at the names, I thought, I can't leave them out. There's no way I can leave him out, but how am I going to fit him in? So, uh, yeah, when I sat down and had a look at it, it was purely and simply the players. I would say um, you'd probably want to play against my team because we're not going to be overly defensive because some of, some of the players that are in there had, let's just say, an eye for a goal. So, uh, yeah, I would say the back three are going to, are going to get exposed at, at times if uh, this team was to take the pitch now. Back three. So what is the formation, Tells? <clears throat> I've gone three four two one, Marv. Two one. Yeah, I got had to get had to get everyone on the uh, on the pitch in uh, some way or uh, or another. So um, yeah, three four two one. Not suggesting that that's the formation that I would play, but uh, no, it would be all right. Hopefully, fortunately, it's all fictional, Marv. So we've not got to play a game with this eleven. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did it take you to do this? Uh, I probably a good hour. Um, spent nice a bit trip of time down memory on, lane, was it? A lovely trip down yeah, memory spent lane. Spent a bit of time on Wikipedia checking uh, because I think Marv, you'll probably um, you'll probably uh, agree with this that you do play with so many players over over the period of your career that sometimes maybe names uh, would slip. So yeah, I spent a bit of time on Wikipedia yesterday. Uh, surprised myself at how many players and good players and very good players I've played with and been fortunate enough to play with. But it was tough to pick. Most definitely. 
I've tried to keep it to club football as opposed to under 21 football or any representative football that I've played. So I've, I've tried to keep it with, with guys that I most definitely played a lot of football with. Excellent. Excellent. So we'll get going then. Um, I'm assuming you do have a goalkeeper. You said you were attacking, but I'm assuming there's a goalkeeper <laughs> in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so Andrew no, and I... Um, Try and like sorry. Andrew, sorry, Andrew and I try and like to guess. So try and give us some clues without actually revealing their name, sort of thing. Okay. Um, like, ex England international goalkeeper. Are you guessing yet or not? Do you want me to keep going? Nah, this like, no, uh, I think you can talk a little bit more about him. What made him special and like uh, shot stopper, crossing or kicking or what or whatever. Best Just goalkeeper I ever played with, Marvin. He was. He made me so much better because every day after training. I would stay out and do shooting with him. And I kid you not, if you didn't put it in the corners and you didn't put it in the top corner, uh, he'd save everything. Uh, great guy. Um, very intelligent. Should give it away for you. I, I think I've got it. I think, I, I think I've got it. Yeah, I assume. Uh, West Ham? No. Oh, I was going to go Portsmouth. I played with him at Portsmouth. Yeah, that's right. England Andrew. International. Yeah. Oh, I assume it's, yeah. David, it's David Seaman, isn't it? David no. Seaman. I'm not that old. Didn't Seaman go at Portsmouth? David, David, David James. David James, that's yes, what I meant. Mom, David well James. Done. That's what I said. David Seaman. David Seaman. Seaman. He was around at the start of your career. I don't know why I said Seaman. I meant David James. Who's, David whoa, 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 whoa. Whose career are you talking now? Are you talking to me or are you talking to Tails? Who are you talking no, to? Tails is. He was around till 2002, <laughs> wasn't he? Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember playing against him. So um, for Arsenal, while I was at Portsmouth, David <laughs> Seaman, but uh, I didn't play with him. So, so yeah, David, David James. <laughs> yeah, he was he was brilliant. Jamo when he um, when he came into Portsmouth, he uh, you get. Uh, I just remember the first time I saw him, and I saw him in the gym, and the work that he did, and the shape that he was in for his age. He was probably mid thirties, and the longevity he'd had in his career. He was, you never had a conversation with Jamo. You always had a debate. That's one thing I do remember. Uh, he was always full of wisdom. I remember he drove a car and instead of filling it with <laughs> diesel or petrol, he had it converted to rapeseed oil because he lived in the, down in the countryside in Devon and he used to spend a lot of time in the car. So he had, had his car converted. But um, in terms of what he did on the pitch, I mean, phenomenal goalkeeper. He was big on the mental side of it. So he would spend a lot of time visualising and you'd quite often see him on the pitch before a game, just going through and making saves, but there's no ball there. I mean, we used to think he was crazy, but uh, in terms of keeping the ball out of the net and doing his job, he was he was phenomenal. And I'd say without a shadow of a doubt, and it was difficult, but he was the best goalkeeper that I'd ever played with by um, a good margin. He's my age, isn't he? It's similar to me, isn't he, I think. David Not James. that old, Marv, no. Not that old, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I say, the reason I say that he's not fifty I'm, yet. Did you not? No, I didn't. Think Did you? I don't ask me. I, I, I mean, the reason I say that is because he played for that yellow team down the road when I was coming through, and we had England like trials or whatever you want to call it. And I can remember going on the train from Luton up to I think it was at Lillishaw, and there was a load of us. It was me, a couple of other like Luton lads, and he was on the train. And I'm thinking, is he my age? And that's what I'm trying to think now. Is it because it obviously he was? It was probably from under 11s up to under 18, Marvin. You were the under 18s, and he was going for the under 11s trial. <laughs> he's a big boy, though. He's a big, big yeah. boy. He might have been playing up. Yeah. He, he was, Fantastic he, he was, goalkeeper. 
They all say they're a bit crazy, don't they, Marv, the best ones? Yes. He, he, he was he definitely was... a little bit crazy. Well, so, I, I mean, did, did he ever talk on. about his time? Um, obviously, you were you played with him at Portsmouth and you had to play with yeah. him during that, particularly that Euro 2004 yeah. time when he made a couple of mistakes at the end of um, France game, off the top of my head. Um, did he ever talk about those type of things and or any other mistakes he made? Did it did it rattle him or did he move really, on quickly? I, I think so. I think as a goalkeeper, the being able to deal with disappointment, being able to deal with a mistake, it's probably the hardest thing because as a an outfield player, as a striker, you make a mistake, miss a chance or um, have an error. You've normally got one of your teammates to bail you out. And I think for for a goalkeeper, he was just so mentally strong. And that's why I say that he used to go through this routine where he'd visualise everything. Um, but I think that was part of his process. That was part of the fact that, yes, he knew he was going to make mistakes. I mean... Show me now a goalkeeper, even the best goalkeeper in history, hasn't made a mistake and, and we'd have a, quite a good discussion and argument about it. But no, J-Mo was so strong mentally, it was ridiculous. And I think probably partly because by the time I played with it, he'd pretty much been through everything, hadn't he? I mean, you, you, I remember the white suits with, at Liverpool yeah. at the cup final and, you know, all the stick he got from that. And he'd played at the top level for years before I got to play with him. And I think he probably got used to to that side of, of the game and, and the press maybe having a little pop at him because he made a mistake. Like, it was just part and parcel of football, I think, for him. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think also he's a Luton fan. He ended up at Luton, didn't he? On the coaching side, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's a Luton so. fan. Random, random thing. So, three at the back. Yes. Let's go. Whichever way you like. So, right-hand side first. Um, England international, recently retired from international football. Um, great lad. Fantastic. He achieved so much in the game where I played with him he left and still playing now in the Premier League where where I was playing he left to go to a big club for oh, yeah. quite a, a nominal fee at the time considering what he went on to achieve with that football club yep go on Andrew any idea on, Marv, it's up past it's up past five in the morning I, I haven't got a Scooby Doo I'm going to guess did you play with Gary Cahill I did yes yeah, yeah. the Bolton I did, yeah. Yeah, before he went to Chelsea. Yeah. Straight from, he yes. left from yeah. Chelsea to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't remember what the fee was they paid for him, but I don't think it was massive. I mean, we paid five million quid for him and he'd only played probably, I don't know whether it was a handful of games at Villa at the time, but he hadn't played a huge amount of football. And then he came in to us and he was just an all-round complete defender. He was good on the ball. Some of the goals he used to score in, in training in five-side jump, it's ridiculous. His feet were... What, you know, better than mine? Oh, definitely, but I can't remember yours, Marv. Neither can Marv. I was a world beater in training. Absolute yeah. world beater. You weren't too bad in games, Marv. I'll give you that. So what did oh, Cahill yeah. do for you? Did, yeah. he, did, he, did he give you a bit more confidence? Did he boss you around? Obviously, because it was your, your, third, your third proper club. Um, not necessarily. He didn't, didn't boss me around. I think what Gary was, was a player that when he came into Bolton, he was... He probably used the football club as a stepping stone, but he, he did that in the right way because he came in and performed and made sure that that he added value to the team. But he also probably it gave him an opportunity to play week in, week out in the Premier League and really probably try and establish himself uh, at that level and also show everybody what his identity was and what it is. And obviously, you know, one of the big boys at the time and still are came knocking in Chelsea and and signed him. And you look at his record there, what he's gone on to win in terms of 
titles. It's just phenomenal. In Champions terms, League, you know, maybe? Yeah. Not won Champions but League. Europa yeah. League, Champions League. But you know what the best thing about him is? He's just a normal guy. And that is a testament to him and his family and his wife. And I, I, that's my outstanding memory from Gaz. And I've had a couple of conversations with him uh, during the lockdown period over here. He's helped me out with some coaching stuff. He's, you know, he's been fantastic and what a player. Oh, definitely. Where did you play with him? Did, were you playing at left back at the time or left midfield? I think I was playing left midfield at the time, I think. I probably played a few games at left back or I just remember in that Bolton team, Megson just used to say tails run. Okay, that's what he used to do. <laughs> I think most managers you played under used to say tails run because, I mean, yeah. one of the biggest things for me, Andrew, when he obviously came onto the scene and we'll get into um, his chubbiness or whatever Nick Owen was talking about later on but one of the things for me what stood out for me Dale was your pace his energy and his pace was like electric it was it wasn't the pace electric. Mark it wasn't the pace I can tell you that I used to be at, no 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 I was never quick I used to take me a while to get to top speed yeah but I'm quick against you I would have been quick against you Mark right you're doing yourself disjustice now no honestly no, no, trust no, me. I was never I was never quick quick but what I was Go is on. I was I'd have been 15, nearly 16, right? And the school entered me into the county um, 800-metre race. Never run 800 metres in my life. And the teacher said to me, as part of your GCSE PE, I want you to take part in this. I said, okay, no worries. And I just started to kind of shoot up, right? So I was just starting to kind of grow and have that growth. And I ran it, and I won it by about 250 metres. And the time, I think I, I, got under, I think I got under two minutes at the time. And it was just at that point, I kind of thought, right, well, if that's going to, if that's something I'm going to be good at and something I am good at and a strength, then that's something that has got to take me past somebody else in terms of did they have more ability than me? Maybe, yeah. But I tell you what, I was going to work harder than them and be more valued to the team than they would be. 100% that is 100% mark true. So this is, this is at the age of 15. This 15, is, this 16, happened. yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you left. Oxford at 14 for being chubby. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had my, okay. yeah, I had my, um, sort of my growth spurt at sort of 15 and a half between 15 and 16 and, um, shot up and, um, managed to get rid of the chubbiness under my armpits, basically. So, uh, <laughs> the left foot was still there. It's just, I couldn't that, move. That, that, that and then was all the of other a sudden, I started to be, able, yeah, started to be able to move and, and had the left foot. <laughs> That's the other thing I was going to come on to because, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to, um, Kyle Emerson's, like, episode he said tells you to try and hit these shots in training and, and lining himself up and I'm and Embo goes I'm thinking you're not going to score from there son you're not going to score from there son and you've hit it and it's literally moved in the end he's gone how the hell has that got in like and that was it you, it was your left foot like it was a case of when he used to line the shot up I'm thinking it's got a real great chance of going in even if it was what from 20-25 yards and I used to love that about him he used to like take the most ridiculous shots but as we all saw later on in his career in the Premiership, that's Mark, why. Did you play in? Did you play in that game where I scored my first goal? Who was that against? Kenilworth Road. Who was that against? I want to say, against? I can't. I, I want to say something. Some, I want to say oh. no, no, that no, wasn't my first game. It was my first goal. Oh, sorry, I want to say goal. <coughs> Wrexham. Or, I, I, I'm not. I can't remember, Mark. But don't tell me it was a tapping. No, no, no. It came out to the edge of the box, and I smashed it into the roof of the net. That's why I was saying I can't remember who it was against. Right. Uh, I remember quite a few of the boys jumping on me at the time and me going mad because I was just 17. So, um, awesome. I mean, yeah. you scored what arguably was... Did you win the goal of the season that year for when you hit it from nope. 54? Oh, nope. 
Four point. I didn't even win goal of the month. What? You hit it from about 45 out. Yeah, but Paul which one are you talking month. about, though, Andrew? That's that's the, this is the point. Which one are you talking about? Oh, there was one in particular when you were at Port. Was it Portsmouth or was it Bolton? When yeah, you home or away? Would it have been a volley or a half volley? It was the volley. Yeah, I didn't even win goal of the month for that because Paul it was Scholes, about fifty out, fifty yards out. Yeah, no, you want to see the goal that Skulls scored. I mean, if you're going to lose to somebody a goal of the month, you're going to lose to that man who's a legend. So, the ball, I Beckham pinged it from a corner. Outside the edge of the box, he's oh, volleyed seen that one. outside of his left, outside of his right foot, into the top corner, opposite top corner. I mean, sometimes you just got to hold your hands up. Yep. I was quite happy losing to him. Don't worry about that. Because <laughs> that's a distinctive memory for a lot of fans, for a hell of a lot of fans as well. Is that goal? Sorry. We, anyway, we digress. Centre backs. Yep. Let's keep going. Uh, middle of middle of the um, back three is a guy that achieved pretty much everything domestically was a member of the golden generation really fantastic person fantastic guy he made quite possibly at the time before I played with him one of the most uh, talked about transfers uh, from one team in London to another and yep. phenomenal footballer phenomenal player you got that got Marv Sol yep. Campbell yes Marv yeah yeah Brilliant. He was, uh, Sol was so professional. It was ridiculous. So me as a, what I've been 20, 23, 24 to see the level of professionalism that he had and what he'd achieved in his career and, and just the level of detail he went into preparing himself. Now, Sol was very focused on what he had to do to get himself in the right frame of mind and in physically in the right um, condition. And he was he was brilliant on I mean, it to play with him. The, do you know what it was? So he was he was very good um, as a defender, but he was just an unbelievable talker and organizer. And I think for me at that time, when being at that age, he used to help me out so much. So it was um, yeah, it was really it was a privilege to play with him. But ironically, if you watch the goal that we were just talking about. At, uh, against Everton for Portsmouth. For some reason, I've never been good in the middle of midfield. I came into the middle of midfield and he passed me the ball through. And my, it gone under my foot and my first touch was so bad if you watch it. The good thing is, is because you smash it in, no one talks about this. It's gone under my foot. Carnu has popped it up somehow in a tackle and it's just gone there and I've hit it. And the rest is history. But Sol, remember I spoke to him after the game, he went, how bad was your touch, Tails? I said, I know, Sol. <laughs> so I know, big man. How bad was it? <laughs> to finish with that bad, was it? So it was all right. So I got away with it. Nobody spoke about how bad my touch was. It, it comes across, I mean, as a real quiet and serious guy. And but, I mean, what was you like in the dressing room? Did you, you know, what I was like, tells. I mean, I, I mean, I, I usually like a laugh and a joke, but I was serious <laughs> when the, when the game come about. But, but yeah. Soul Camel was it? It comes across as being very like mm, straight and to the point. No, and- he was. He, I think my memories of Soul, um, Soul and Jamo would have some interesting conversations. I mean, in debates there. Because the two of them were good friends and, and are good friends and played with each other at international level for a long time and knew each other in and inside now. They knew how to um, to have a debate and a conversation. But Sol was just a normal teammate, Marv. There was nothing, right. considering what he'd achieved, considering the levels he had played at um, and the clubs he had played at, there, you, you, didn't ha- you didn't see that he would act that way. He had more about him, don't get me wrong, 100%, because of who he is. So there was most definitely that. But I think he's probably shown you now by going to Macclesfield for his first yeah. job, Marv. 
in uh, management that he's quite happy to to muck in and do the hard um, the hard graft. So, you know, for personal point, it'd be really good luck to him on on that side with the management. But as a teammate, he was he was good. He was brilliant for us and the young boys. You know, he, he'd tell you if you're out of line, but also you know give you a pat on the back if you've done something well. Okay. He also detached my retina. He also Sorry, detached man. my retina. Yeah. He also I went up for a header in a corner to make you laugh. So the ball's come over defensive corner. I've gone up, headed it away. The big man's come behind me, well up the back of my head. Didn't think anything of it. Um, just went in and I, I remember go, going into training the next day and I said to the physio, I've got a little bit of blurred vision. And oh, okay, no worries. We'll send you, we'll send you to see um a specialist tells. Okay, no worries. I want to put you through the MRI scan and they say, Oh yeah, you might have got a slight detached retina. Could you tell me how that happened? I said, well, that's probably what happens when you get hit in the back of the head by Sol Campbell. But uh, fortunately, it didn't have any lasting damage. Fortunately, Marv. But yeah, that's my claim oh. to fame where Sol's concerned. <laughs> so it was pretty rough and tumble then. So when you're at Portsmouth, they let it, they let a lot of stuff go. It wasn't kind of soft tackling. It was, do you think, obviously oh, he, when, there, when was Harry the was there. Yeah, he was in my team. That's the problem, Andrew. And he's still done it to me. <laughs> That's the problem. He's that much of a competitor. <laughs> well, yeah. He probably couldn't believe it. I've managed to jump that high and head it. He thought, oh, Tails have missed this one at the near post again. I better go and bail him out. What was Harry like in the dressing room or in that? How did he manage that team? I'm intrigued by kind of, obviously he worked under some big, big personalities that aren't around, unfortunately, in football anymore. People like Joe Kinnear and, and, and Harry Redknapp and those type of guys. What was, what was Redknapp like? Pretty chilled out? Leave it all to Joe Jordan. All right, you, you um, so didn't do a huge amount of the coaching. I think where Harry would would quite happily tell you that he trusted and relied on his coaches. So at the time, Joe Jordan and, and Kevin Bond were were with him. Ironically, when I signed originally for Portsmouth, he um, so you had Harry and um, Jim. So Jim Smith, the late Jim Smith, uh, he uh, he was alongside him. So they were co-managers, if you like. Uh, to say I learnt nothing from them would be a complete lie because you learned everything from them, because at the time, the guys had been there, seen it and done it. Uh, they had complete confidence in you as players. What he, what they did for me and what Harry was brilliant at was just saying the right things to you at the right time. Uh, and just, it, as I say, you'd see him on a training pitch, but he would never take training. You just stood there watching it. On a Friday or a Thursday, when he did the team shape, he would, he would come out and do a little bit. But that wasn't what he was there for. That wasn't his speciality. His speciality was, first and foremost... Um, assembling teams maybe and giving players a chance that probably other people would dismiss. He did it on numerous occasions and he was a master at it. Um, the blend of youth, the blend of power, speed, exuberance mixed with that experience. He was brilliant at it. I mean, you look at some of the teams that he compiled, he was unbelievable. But in the dressing room, it was just the way he used to talk to you. Some people would need to kick up the backside, 100%. He knew who they were. Others needed a cuddle. Others needed to be dug out properly, and he'd do it. He was, yeah, he was a master, and I was very lucky to play for him. That shadow of a doubt. Excellent. It sounds. I've always, I've always been intrigued by how he did it because uh, he had some great times at Bournemouth and West Ham, and obviously he took. Were you part of the Portsmouth team that he took to the Europe to Europe? No, I left that. I left that January. I was just at a stage in my career where I'd been there six and a half years, and. I probably wasn't playing as much football as I'd, as I'd liked. And the, the, the thing for me was, is that because, Marv, you know this, I got into the team at 17, right? And yeah. I did, I played for three seasons, Marv. I, by the age of 20, I played 150 games. So 
I, the last thing I wanted to do was sit somewhere and watch. I'd have rather taken a downward step or cyber step and gone and play football because I was so lucky at, at such a young age to play um, and to learn. You talk about coaching, right? And we, so in my current role, you talk a lot about it. We talk about helping kids. and But what you don't understand is how invaluable, and I'm not saying this, Marv, you senior pros were to me, because the, the, your coach is on the pitch. You help to organise. As a young player, I would watch how you guys do things and copy it, because that's what we all do, right? They do things correctly. So we talk about a huge amount about, well, we've got to have the best coaches, but it's actually the players that you learn from just as much as the coaches. It's it, it for me was invaluable just being on um, being on the training pitch day in day out, you know, learning to shout at people, Marvin. That was one of the biggest things because as a seventeen year old, you're never going to shout at anyone, are you? And it was, no, yeah, but, I, but, I would not know. But you wouldn't get by in football at that time in League One, the equivalent of League One which we were in, if you didn't shout at each other and if you didn't talk and organise. And that was something that I learned most definitely from you guys and watching you and training with you that. It was all right to shout at each other. It didn't mean you didn't like them. You yeah. were just trying to win and help each other. No, 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 it was all right. It was okay. And if you ever fallen out, that's all right. It's not a problem because we're all part of the team. And, and, and I mean, we, we really should be moving on. But, like, you, you are, you're right. But you had a personality. And if you didn't have a personality, Dells, like, I'm not just talking about you, but anyone in general coming into that team or into that squad, you're done. You're done. You have to have something about you, right? And... And you earn the respect as a 17-year-old, as you as you want to call it, coming into that team by like working hard, right? Running around, doing your bit for the team. If you come in and you was like, you know what, I've got a great left foot, I'm just gonna hit it from here and not run around. Trust me, we would have been all over you. And you know that anyway, but you worked hard and you earned our respect. So fair play to you. Did all right, yeah. Um <laughs> other centre half. Yeah. Yep, let's keep going. So uh French. Played for Manchester City. Uh, also, I played with him uh, at Portsmouth. He is no googling either of you two, by the way. He, oh, he I've got was... it. I've got it. I've got it. Okay, go on then, Andrew. Go on then. No, you know, I want to see Mark. I want to see Mark. Keep going. Keep going. Andrew's okay, on okay. fire this time of morning. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He um, so much pace. He was quick. He could read the game. Yeah. He was a fantastic person. He left, I think he ended up playing for Bournemouth. He was extremely talented. Could score a goal as well, by the way. Could score a goal. But he was one of the rarities where he was a left-sided centre-half that could score a goal, Mark. Andrew. Yeah, look, listen, that's going to throw my head tails. But you know why? Because it's going to my head. Because I'm both-footed. I use left and right. That's oh, why I'm not no just... Chance. I'm two-footed no tails. I assume it's Sylvain Distan. That's correct, it is, yeah. Damn. Well done. Yeah. So unassuming, right? Unassuming off the pitch, unassuming on it. But when I tell you, you, um, we played games with Sol and Sylvan at the back. I mean, uh, the attacking team didn't stand a chance, really. And it yeah. helped that at the time, if I was playing left back, Sylvan was on my side. And probably defending was never my strong point. And I just remember Sylvan saying to me, Tails, don't worry. If it goes over your head, I'll get it. Don't worry. And nine times out of ten, he just used to get there because he was so quick and bail me out. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. Nice, decent, awesome. decent back three there. Um, yeah, see why I've had to play a back three now, Marv. Decent, yeah, decent. But they're all, I find, I reckon they're actually all unassuming, old, kind of, I'd say old school centre-backs, but do you know what I mean when I say that? Um, 
There's I know Distan can play a bit. I know obviously K. They all can play a li- can play a bit. There's a reason why they play at the top level. But in terms of fancy footing and things like that, they're not they're they're the unassuming centre backs. I think if you were to watch Thank them, you. yeah, exactly, exactly. Awesome. So what we'll do is we'll pause here for a break um, before we um, come back and hear about uh, the majority of Matty Taylor's team, uh, which is in attack. Thank you for listening to my best living pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at mybestlivingpod or mybestlivingpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay, so we are back now for second part in the midfield and it's up front for uh, Matthew Taylor. So far, we've got in goal David James, Gary Cahill, um, Sol Campbell and Sylvan Distan. So we're then going to go across to the four midfielders and then he's gone... Um, three, four, three, four, one, two, was it? One, two. Three, four, two, one. Two, three, one, four, two, one. one. Okay. So let's keep going. Where we'll start off so, um, on either side of the wing, whichever one you want to do, left or right. So and you guy, are allowed to put yourself in. You can put yourself put in if you want. Let me see. I didn't, no chance. These guys Marv, is, Marv, Marv is the only person who's put himself in. Are you surprised uh, to hear that, mate? surprise me. doesn't surprise I've, me, no. I've put myself in midfield and up front. I've put myself in three times. Three times. Uh, so Sorry. this guy, left foot of an absolute wizard, played on. Uh, I was very lucky to play with him um, my first season in the Premier League and could score an outrageous goal. And I was on the pitch on numerous occasions when he did. One of the coolest men you want to meet. I saw a picture of him not long ago playing in the Legends. And I just looked at him and he just just thought, how cool are you? If only mm-hmm. I, if only I had an, in, an ounce of that coolness, I thought, oh, my God, I looked at him. Wow. Did he, beard. Did he play? Oh, beard. Did he play? Beard. Oh, no. Oh. He didn't have a beard when he played. He had a beard when yeah. I saw him. Uh, played at Liverpool. Oh, played that's taken my idea. Played at Liverpool. Played at Villa. Liverpool? I, I thought I'll I'll I was going to go Ginola. I was going to go Dad. Do you want me to give you, you no, no. Not, did he not play with me? Give you the no, I did not. Do you want me to give you the nationality? What? Yes, I was going to say, is he? Is Czech, he? Hold on, hold on. Czech, Czech Republic. Yeah, it's not. No, he's not. I, I, I was going to say um... he was. He was part of the team in the white suits for the cup final for Liverpool. He was oh. one of the Spice Boys. Oh. I think that's what they were called. Oh, um... come on, Marvis. There it is. It, um... <laughs> You, you, you can see him now, can't you? You can see yeah. why I said he's called. Yes, you stop. Just, just, just. <laughs> um, well, you've done me in now, Tails. Got in, Tails. Tell us who it is. I'm going to... Patrick Berger. Should have got that. Should have got that. Yeah. It's on the tip of your tongue, Marv. Patrick no, Berger, Patrick yeah. Berger. What, uh, played a game, I think we were playing, I think it was Charlton. Ball got played into him in, in midfield. He flicked up on the outside of his left foot, spun, smashed it in the top corner from about 30 yards out and just looked. I was playing and I just couldn't believe it. So I just went wild and looked at him. But uh, again, what a nice man, what a nice guy. What he brought every day to training and the games was just absolute professionalism in everything he did. Uh, and then to go and be able to share a pitch with him. And at the time when we got promoted, first of all, from Portsmouth to the Premier League, I was injured for the first couple of months of that season. I just remember watching him thinking, how the bloody hell am I going to get him out of the team? Uh, and <laughs> basically, I ended up not getting him out of the team. I had to get somebody else out of the team to play in the team with him. But uh, yeah, he was phenomenal talent. And his left foot was a joke. I'd always been, 
I'd always taken all the set plays I'd ever played. And then Patrick's in the team and I was quite happy to let him take everything because he was better than I was. His delivery and everything. So, yes, a phenomenal talent. And again, had an unbelievable career. So privileged to share a pitch with him. With him. So again, like you just said, I mean, I should have got him and Liverpool and like fantastic career. A player of that quality tells, is that quality seen every day in training or was it a case of, well, you know what, I don't fancy it today or it was like a case of, oh, do you know what, I'll, I'll turn it on today and then it's like in and out or was it like every day you'd be like, whoa. Yeah, every day, Marv. The, right. I've never played for a football club professionally that you can afford to carry someone who doesn't bring it every day. And I've never played with all due respect to any player that I've played with that has been good enough to turn it on because the habits that you exude on a daily basis, that's that's the that's the work. The easy part's the games if you do it right in, in the week because all you're doing is trying to replicate what you've done every day in training. So that's the easy part for me. Um, right. Uh, but he, so you, yeah, you, every single day he'd bring it. So you, don't remember, you don't remember John Louis Valois then? Yeah, but th- that's what I, I think Louis yeah. was, so John was, he was, he had a great left foot. But it was only Nick Towers. Come on, said, listen, listen, stop sitting on the fence. It was just the games he used to turn it on. You know that as well as I do. No, no, no. Nick what I'm saying on is he, had, he had a great left foot. Uh, he didn't give a damn about anything else other than scoring goals. That was all yes. I could say about him. And But with all due respect, Marv, and I mean this, that's right. why he was playing with us at that time, at that level. He had the ability yeah. to play higher, but he didn't do it every yeah. day, did he? That's, that's why that's he was with true. us. That's true. And that's why that he was true. with us in League One at the time, or if it was League Two. Yeah, you're right. To be fair. So, Patrick, getting back to Patrick Berger then, um, what was he yeah. like? Um, obviously, he was one of these players that came in in the mid-90s, one of the first foreign players, really, in the Premier League. Was he one of the boys down the down the pub, or was he much more one of the kind of, one of the one of the thinkers um, of the foreign players? No, he wasn't. No, Patrick wasn't, uh, I think. We didn't have a, we didn't have a big drinking culture, to be honest, anyway. So, Patrick wasn't, wasn't one of those types of guys. I mean, if we went out for dinner or, I uh, went out with the partners and stuff. Patrick would be there, but he lived down on the south coast. I think he enjoyed being in that part of England because it's beautiful. But I just remember him being just superb at everything he did. I can't, I can't just every day. And that's from a stupid, but that's from how he looked every day with his long flowing hair to then how he performed on the training pitch. Like he was just to how he played. He was just superb at everything. That's that's my last memory of Patrick Berger. And, How beautiful and the man about, he was when he glided yeah, down the You know, but I, I, I talk about him. I, I suppose I sound like a football fan, but at times that's what it felt like. It was just, and it helps because you know he was left-footed, and I think as a kid and probably as a young player, you look up to players that you want to try and emulate, uh, and he was definitely one of them. Oh, definitely right-hand side. Let's go to right. Yeah. Uh, Ex-England international, recently retired. Had the pleasure of playing um, in a couple of teams with him, one being the under-21s, but that was only one game, I think, or one camp. So I'm not counting him for that. I played played with him um, at Portsmouth again. He, big money moves. He's won the Premier League. He's played for two of the biggest clubs in the country. He's on Talk Sport a lot now, but obviously that will mean nothing to you guys. And He's on Sky Sports a lot now. Because neither are you two are in this country, so we're on this side of the. Uh, I do, I do <laughs> the, listen to uh, talk sport, mind you, tells. I do yeah, listen to it. He's very knowledgeable in terms of life and football. Comes across really well now. 
quite a quiet guy again, but in terms of what he achieved, he started his career at West Ham. Does that give you a chance, Mark? West Ham, right winger. Started his, start, no, no, he's not a winger. I'm playing him on the right. Oh, okay. So started his career at West Ham. I think from West Ham, he went to Chelsea. From Chelsea, I think he went up to Liverpool. Oh, that's friendly. I was going to go Frank Lampard. Portsmouth might be in there in between that. I'm not sure. But um, in terms of... So predominantly played as a right back. Oh. You could play him... This is what I mean. I had to get him in my team. Yeah, I see. I see. Predominantly played as a right back, but going forward was probably his strength. Oh, Glenn Johnson? Yes, it is Glenn Johnson. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well done, Andrew. Well dug out, Andrew. Well dug out. (laughs) Marv, get get off Andrew's back, please. He's carrying you, Marv, at the moment. Listen, it's about time he started coming good. I mean, (laughs) what? Come on. It is. My back, yeah. I need to massage after every single one of these episodes because my back hurts, Marv. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit, John was brilliant. Yeah. What's he? um, He was was brilliant. He's a good boy. yeah, yeah, he was because at the time we he came to us. I think I was surprised that we managed to get him at the time uh, because I think we signed him from Chelsea. I think and Harry worked his magic and managed to to get him through the door. And then he was current England international at the time, and he was one of the big names in the country. And we've managed to persuade him to come to uh, to Portsmouth. The power was ridiculous. Just his power in everything. Now, I'm not talking about kicking the ball. I'm just mm. powering the tackle. He was powerful, getting away from people. Um, humble guy, though. Really humble guy. Just scored scored a lot of goals as well. He used to score a lot of Good. goals in training. And yeah. I remember one of the goals he scored, he kind of chested it up here and then volleyed yeah. it with his left foot. And uh, no, what a, what a player he was, by the way. And as I say, he had a phenomenal career. Phenomenal career. Uh, what would he give you at, at right midfield then? Instead of right back, I mean, he could have. You could have realistically played a back four then with Glenn Johnson in the back four. I couldn't have because I can't play Sylvan left back because that's doing him a disservice. He's too good for that. He's a centre half. He's six foot three, six foot four, and I don't ever want to run into him and say and him to say to me tells I heard that my best eleven podcast and him to get me in a headlock. So uh, there's no way I could play a left back. <laughs> you're the gaffer. You're the gaffer. He plays where you tell him to play, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you know that's not modern day football now, Marv. Come on. Did you not so see what happened? To, what happened Sorry, to Glenn Johnson? Then, because I mean, he kind of he went to Liverpool, and I wouldn't yeah. say his career kind of petered out. Now he had quite a few injuries, but then he just really struggled from there a lot, hasn't he? Since um, I mean, he did. Alexander Arnold kind of came in, yeah. But he went to Stoke, and I think Marv, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this. But as you get older, you've got to adapt because you probably lose a yard of pace. I mean, Marv, you get over thirty, and everyone in football tells you legs are gone. Oh, his legs are gone. He can't move. He can't run. And so what you have to do is adapt your game. And I think that's what Jono did. And I think that's what all of us did. Because you can't, your head tells you that you can still do it. But ultimately, you you, you can't because that's <laughs> that's nature. That's life. That is a cycle of life. And, you know, um, for me, he adapted his game. I mean, you look at the amount of appearances and the Premier League, the captain's got for England. But the best players do, Marv, did you have to adapt your game? I mean, you're spot on, Tails, because it depends really as well what position you play. Because, like, looking at Glenn Johnson, what position he played, if he's going to adapt his game, it's not a case of him, like, being able to go maybe into a centre-back. I don't know. But, like, I mean, most of the time, okay, if you're if you're a, a left-back stroke centre-back, like I was, I mean... I mean, my pace wasn't like exactly as it was when I was as a kid, but 
I managed to turn around and use, like you said, your experience in your head and your knowledge, like to get your like speed of mind to be, this is where I need to be in this position to not get caught out sort of thing. Cause that's the experience coming into it. But most definitely as a, as you're aging, your legs are going to be what everyone's going to be turning around saying, look, Oh, like you've just said, his legs are gone. This is gone. But I mean, when I, when I first, when I was coming into the team, it was like the likes of Steve Foster, who was a very experienced, like, um, center back and he wasn't quick, but one thing, what he had was of the experience, his know-how, his knowledge, and that got him into positions where it didn't get him caught out. Now, if that's, if that if you haven't got that as an older player of the, the know-how and the knowledge, then you are going to have a, a problem of trying to fit into someone's team because obviously if you haven't got your pace, you haven't got the, now the know-how and the knowledge, then you are going to struggle. So you're right. Where would you say your favourite position was, Matt? Um, obviously you, you played left-back, left-midfield, centre-midfield. Um, I assume you must have played a few games at centre-back um, filling no, in. No, I didn't, no. Oh, can really? I, can I, he didn't no, have the ball to play centre-back. Yeah. He couldn't play centre-back. Yeah. He didn't have the ball. No, exactly. But um, can I can I be honest with you, Andrew? I didn't care where I played. Seriously, I, could not care less. Fair enough. Really, you didn't, you didn't, that is a brutal truth. You didn't love being left midfield, so you didn't have to track, you didn't have to track back as much? Or oh, no, did I did you have to track back, yeah. That was my job. I mean, I... I've never had this conversation with him, mind you, but I think Tells loved the fact that when it was the three of us, let's call it, it was the three of us, myself, Tells and John Louis Valois, it used to be Joe's used to start it off with Tells at left back, <laughs> Louis Valois on the left, and then for like twenty minutes from the end, look at him laughing. Twenty minutes from the end, it was a case of like, let him go. Release him, release him, unleash him, unleash him, push him up forward, get Marv on now, and now it was like. Yeah. Tells Louis us, I'm done. free, Louis I'm free, Louis I'm done. free. He's gone. He, yeah, Louis, that was him unleashed. Louis, that is 60 minutes, he's done. Yeah, get him off and I, unleash yeah. Tails now and get him in front. And see, and, then, and that's the point. And that's the point. And that's the point we're talking about there. Now, if I were, had a little bit more pace or a little bit more, didn't want to join in as much, but I was just, even though I was, I don't know what age I was, but I still wanted to join in and get forward and be like with tails and help out. If I was a bit more smarter now, I could have played for another four years and just thought, you know what? Until you would have left, I could have just stayed there behind you and go, Theo, tails, have the ball, so just off keep, you go. Just feed it, yeah. yeah. Just keep feeding, yeah, just keep feeding you. But, you know. Hindsight's a good that, thing, Marvin, isn't it? Huh? Hindsight's, Hindsight's a good thing. It's, it's, it's true. Yeah. I think for me, his, his best position was like a left wing back or left midfield because he just had unbelievable quality and a great left foot which just whip balls in I mean just like get your head up bang and and again he was one of those players who learned very very quickly in my opinion and very smart intelligent that you didn't need to put the ball on a six foot someone Hells was putting it in space for them to attack the space to obviously have an opportunity to score a goal helps when we had the big man Howie up top didn't yeah seriously I mean he just I choose to get it I didn't even look half the time to stick it in there. Now I just see the big man running off from his arm in the air again. Oh, he's got another one. Oh, I've got him another one. I've got him another one. <laughs> so, central midfielders. Yeah. Either. Yeah, I'm going for so a guy that when he left Portsmouth um, went to AC Milan, played for AC Milan. He's I'm pretty sure he's Ghanaian. Fantastic left foot. He was. He played in the Premier League. Uh, I would say a maximum of two seasons. I would say I don't quite know that uh, to be true or not. So 
if I'm wrong, I apologise. But just a proper hammer of an effort. Uh, could tackle, could see a pass. Could he was he was different because he was a left sided um, midfielder. Fantastic tall? engine. Tall? Tall. Not not overly not no. overly tall. No, not overly tall. Okay. Probably five ten, five eleven. I think he's playing in the Middle East right now. Still playing. I think from what I can remember, as I say, went uh, played for AC Milan. He's played for some big clubs. Yeah, what a guy. Yeah. Don't quite I know where we signed him from. Andrew, you've written something down. Have you have you got any um, idea? I'm going to guess Montari. Yes, Sully Montari. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. Yes, Andrew. Look at you. <laughs> Google, it, Google him for fun. Well, I'm not, my phone's here. I'll put joking, my phone here. I'll, I'll, I'll leave my phone here so you can I'm see I'm not joking. doing that. <laughs> He's bitten already. Look, I'm joking. Yeah, Sully Montari. When I, I, <laughs> yeah. When Harry managed to get him onto the trading pitch and he turned up and you just thought, wow, what a player he is. And that was how he played. That was how he trained every day. That was how he played. He was just next level. And but, safe to say we didn't hold on to him for long. He was gone. So where did he, do you remember, where did he come from? Where did he get him from? I can't remember where we signed him oh, okay. from, Marv, if I'm honest. Uh, right. But I know that uh, after he what left Portsmouth, went straight to AC Milan. Yeah, God, yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. But so unassuming. Came in, did right. his work, he had a laugh and a joke, and uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm was real. he a tough tackler yeah. or was he more of a more yeah. of a flamboyant? No, everything, everything. He'd smash you in training, not a problem. But then he'd dink one over the goalkeeper's head the next ball. Yeah, it was just, he had everything, and he had a hammer of a left foot, a proper. It was, it wasn't, it, it was kind of a short back lift and bang that type of left foot. It's straight in. Like, wow, where's he seen that? Yeah, so he was a he was a proper player. Yeah. He'd be my he'd be my midfield general. He'd be the one that I'd say to him, like Sully, you've stay here, you sit a little bit, let the other guy beside you go on, because you're going to be left alone when you hear the next four. And what what would he be like? Would he be happy with that, or would he be very much kind of don't tell me what to do, I'm doing what I want? Or was he very much a kind of do you know what I mean? I don't know whether I don't know whether you'd have to tell him what to do. I think after the first couple of minutes, he's just out for himself and go, I'm on my own here. Uh, he was he was one of those players. You know when players just get it, he got it and everything. He was phenomenal, really. Some player. Yeah. And as I say, Portsmouth didn't hold on to him for long. A couple of years in AC Milan. Wow. Yeah. I mean, seriously. So yeah. next to him, flamboyance. You've intimated uh, already. I'm going for I'm going for this guy because I played with him for two uh for two clubs. Goal scoring midfielder, proper goal scoring midfielder who uh, was never capped by England. I cannot quite get my head around that, that he was never capped by England. Um, probably the best captain I've ever played for. He he was brilliant on the pitch, brilliant off the pitch. Any issues, any problems, if there was ever any, any problems with maybe the way the team was performing, bang, he's on it straight, we'll have a meeting. There was no issue with that, very truthful. Uh, as I say, he, he was the master of the chicken. Celebration, come on, that's got to give it away. He was the master of the chicken West, celebration West, when he West scored. Ham, which clubs? One was West Ham, yeah. Yeah. One was Bolton. Um, I give it, and the other one was Bolton, oh, yeah. I got it. Yeah. Andrew's, got it. Andrew's got this one as well. Yeah. Go yes, on, Mark. Andrew. Go on, number. Go on, go on. I'll give you one. Let me have this on. one. Yeah. I'm gonna. I might be wrong actually, but I'm gonna go with Kevin Nolan. That's right, Marv. Yeah. Marv, yeah, welcome Kev. to the game, Marv. Get in yeah. there. Well done, Marv. We'll see if your missus can come in next door and give you a gold star. Well done, mate. 
<laughs> yeah, Nobby, Nobby was, he was the best captain because everything was all about the lads. But on the pitch, he just delivered every single week. And if he wasn't scoring, he's assisting. Sam, Sam spoke a lot about, I don't know if you guys know what the POMO is, Marv. Do you know what that is? Yeah, is it, yeah, um, at the back post, isn't it? Coming in at the, Yeah, so it's the position back. of maximum opportunity. When you look at um, Kev's goals, a lot of Nobby's goals are second phase. So we all, because whatever level you play at, defenders will ball watch. Right, that, that, that's his instinct. You'll watch where the ball is. That split second, you watch where the ball is. He's gone. And he'd score so many goals like that. And I, I probably, how on earth he didn't get capped for England, I don't know whether it was because of the fact that he was up against the golden generation because in terms of midfielders, but his numbers, his numbers, Marv, were for a midfielder, mm. were a joke. Week in, week out. I, just, I know, I saw it. Nolan, goal. Joke, Nolan, yeah. Nolan, yeah. goal. And like you said, joke, and he had this sure um, amount of assists as well. So, yeah. I mean. He was brilliant. And in terms of a captain and a person, fantastic. He just epitomised everything at the time as a player. So I played with him at Bolton first and then moved down to West Ham and played with him for three years down there. I was fortunate enough to to get promoted at Wembley and in the Championship and he was a skipper. And yeah, a lot uh, a lot was um, owed to him at West Ham because I think at the time the football club was probably going the wrong way. They'd been relegated. What they needed was someone to come in in the dressing room and sort of marshal that team back to the Premier League and, and he was brilliant. Good guy. Carol, I just want to um, just take you back now to, I mean, we were talking off air earlier on a little bit about it. I mean, one, was it always your ambition as a kid, like most kids, like like for me it was, to be become a professional football player? And two, I mean, when was the time when you first thought, you know what, I want to be a footballer and I, or you've had a little taste of something and I want to play at the top level? Uh to answer your first question, did I want to be a footballer? No. From the age of, up to the age of 14, yes. From the age of 14 to 16, no. Um, because at 14, I got released at Oxford. So we didn't have a goalkeeper at the time. I was playing left back. It was it was back in the day, it was the school of excellence. And I played in goal for six or seven weeks. Uh, and all I used to do was, was save the ball going in because my left foot was decent. I suppose as before our times, I'd play out from the back and see a pass. Uh, and came to the end of the season when all the boys get renewed. I mean, I played in the same team as Sam Ricketts and Dean Whitehead. Both of them went on to play in the Premier League and have stellar careers. And those two, for argument's sake, they got taken on for their under 15 year. I got released. They said to me they'd keep me on um, and offer me a YTS as a goalie now at the age of 14. But uh, they wouldn't keep me on because I was I was overweight and a bit and a bit chubby. Uh, so to say I told them where to stick it would be um, an understatement with my dad. I said, there's no way I'm ever going in goal. I said, I've got too much energy for that, Marv. I mean, could you imagine me in goal? I just got, I got too much energy. So all I did was I went back and it, it made me fall out of love with the professional side of the game, 100%. Uh, I, dealt with, I dealt with the disappointment. It wasn't a problem with the disappointment. I dealt with that with just going to play football with mates. So you play for the district teams and the school representative teams and stuff like that. But in terms of my professional dream, as far as I was concerned, that was done. So right. back to school, work hard, do this, make sure I did all my GCSEs. I did all my GCSEs, Marv, and the Luton thing came about because I played in a representative game for, uh, it was the Selex Copiers League at the time in Oxfordshire, which is where I'm from, right? And it was an under-16 rep game. Uh, I got called up to it, you know, as one of the players from the league that, I went and played the game. There happened to be a Luton scout there. That is it. 
and I got invited down to the rugby club. I got older my dad after the game, invited me down to the rugby club and said, uh, come on trial. Lowy was down there. Yeah. So Lowy's down there. Um, <laughs> 45 boys turned up. Two 11 v 11 games. Right. What footed are you, Matt? Uh, where do you play? I play central midfield. I said, no, you don't. You're left footed. You play left back. So, okay, no worries. And uh, I went and played, played two games in that, played left back. And they picked two kids out of that. And I happened to be one of them to go back in and train for, it would have been, my GCSE results had come out. So this would have been pre-season-ish time. I went back in for a week. Remember, uh, they did all, do you remember doing your signing, Marvin? You sign a white in and all yeah. the parents are there. And yeah. you all go up to the front in that lounge. I don't know what it was called at Kenilworth Road, but you went up to the lounge at the front. You sit at the table and sign it. Well, they hadn't offered me a contract, but they asked me to come along. And I think about it now, and I think most people would have kind of gone, you taking the, the Michael here, I'm not going. And I went along with mum and dad. All these kids are getting given their two pairs of boots, their studs and their moles and a pair of trainers. There's me sat at the back, just watching them all thinking, all right, what's going on here? But if anything, that made me hungrier. It, yeah. it was crazy. <laughs> Made me hungry, and, and then probably three or four weeks later, I signed a YT. And you're, and you're what age at this time? You're now what? 15? I was 16, 16 at this time. 16. Yeah. And so at no point had another scout, maybe from Oxford, maybe seen no. you and thought, let's, no. let's invite this kid down. Who is he? Nope. No, that would have been nah. no, no classic. Way. No that way. would have been brilliant if they would have, if someone would have seen you and said, you know, let's invite him down. Who is it? Oh, is no. Matt? No, 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 not Matt. No, no one's no one at Luton was that was that was it, Marv. It was that or bust. I had nothing, nothing else. And to be honest, I'd already chosen to do my levels at school. I was going to do my levels. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the direction I wanted to go in. I was going to go to uni. Um, I was going to do all of that. And then the opportunity came around with Luton. And I said to my, I remember sitting with mum and dad and saying, They've offered me the, the YTS. What do you think I should do? And I remember my dad saying to me, Look, Matt, it's two years, right? If it doesn't work, go back and do your A levels is not a problem but give it a go. So that was what I did and the rest is history. But within a year. And do you know what the best thing about my on, yeah, do you know, yeah, do you know what the best thing about my YTS was, Marv? Go on. I'll qualify for a B tech in leisure and tourism, mate. That's the best thing about my scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> you can become a travel agent. There. So if it doesn't work out at Tottenham, you can be a travel agent. The best thing. And you know what the other thing is, Marv, the second year I never went to the course because I Lenny always wanted me to train on a Thursday with all the first team. So in the end, the tutor ended up doing it for me anyway. So I got a distinction, I think. <laughs> but fortunately That's to this brilliant. point, I haven't needed that qualification. Where is I mean, that again, certificate now? Oh, I, was, um, I couldn't tell you. I was, I was wondering I if you were going to go, actually, and just turn the camera around. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not in here, no. I don't know where it is. I would say it's probably at mum and dad's house. Um, fantastic. So we'll move on to attacking yeah. attacking midfielders or hold number 10s, couple of number 10s. Yeah, uh, I've got two number 10s. Uh, this guy I played with at West Ham, uh, won the Premier League with Chelsea, played for Liverpool again, uh, England international. Uh, probably I played with him under 21 football as well, but I wouldn't count that as, as really playing with him. The few caps that I got, he was he was involved in a couple of camps, but then was with the first team. He was one of the the golden generation, over 50 caps for England. What what a guy, what a man. Humble. In terms of his playing style, he was jinky. He could play inside. He could play out on the wing. When he was younger, he played out on the wing. He'd come inside, score loads of goals. I have a vivid memory of his time at Chelsea where he used to wear a sweatband, you know. Uh, yeah, proper you, player. And- 
And you played with him where? I played with him at West Ham. Yeah. So if I told you where he started, you got him, Marv, yeah? Yeah. Come I on, then, Mark. Who is it? Let's look at that smile on and your no, face. Look at Andy's face. No, oh, no. Andy's face <laughs> looks like he hasn't got a Scooby-Doo. I want to re- relish in this. Go on, Andrew. Have a guess, Andrew. Oh, oh. Hold on. Right. West Ham. It's the so, Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool keeps throwing me every Liverpool time. Thing. Yeah, it would It would throw you, the Liverpool thing, yeah. He, he played for <laughs> Liverpool after he played for Chelsea. No. No. Nah. It's getting dark here. It's getting dark here. Can we... Should I, should I, should I, it's, should I say it? it's already dark here, Marv. Got him, Marv. Joe Cole? Oh, I forgot he played for Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Cole, uh, he oh. he came to he came to West Ham. So he came to West Ham from Liverpool. Uh, he uh, obviously started his career at West Ham and, you know, did full circle. But do you know what? So Coley at the time was at, was at a stage in his career probably where his body was not, not it wasn't breaking down on him, but he didn't adapt well enough. And by that, what I mean is the enthusiasm this man used to show every single day was as if he was 17, Mark. It was a joy to watch. No, seriously, it, it, he would be come out, he'd come out of the training pitch buzzing, smile on his face, so happy. I used to love watching him and thinking he loves football. So forget everything else that he's achieved in the game. And by that point, there wasn't much he hadn't achieved, by the way, right? He'd achieved everything he possibly could, but his attitude every day and just the smile on his face and the joy and the, the banter you could have of him and a laugh, just a normal fella, even though, you know, he was somebody that, that I was used to watching on the TV when England played and when the biggest games in the Champions League were on and the biggest games in the Premier League. But it was just, it was just brilliant. His enthusiasm for football was infectious. And it, what didn't help, it didn't sort of, uh, hurt that he was he was some player as well, wasn't he? By the way, oh, top player, some top player. player. Is he involved? Yeah. I mean, I used to see him on doing some commentary stuff and bits and pieces. But is he involved anywhere, yeah. like coaching? He does some commentary. I think he does some commentary. Um, back in it would have been eight years ago. Now I did a B license with him. Uh, I think Coley's doing something at Chelsea's academy. I think he lives that way, so he's helping with. Um, bits and bobs there, but he does a lot, does quite a bit on the the punditry side and the media side in this country here. Oh, fantastic player, fantastic yeah. player. And what was he like? Come, I mean, coming back, did he help with the youngsters? Obviously, going full circle, almost yeah. with West Ham. Did it help, as you say, watching watching the boots? And obviously, nowadays, I don't think they clean the boots anymore. But that type of thing, did that help? Yeah, he was just he was just a normal guy. You know, he'd speak to anybody any of the young kids or any of the lads that needed a conversation or, you know, whatever you needed. Holly was just a really good teammate. It doesn't say forget, because I think from the outside looking in, you see these guys as sort of superstars, which is what they are. But then you forget. And when you're in dressing rooms with people, you just start looking at them as normal people. And Coley was just, just a normal fellow who happened to have an immense talent at playing football. But yeah, he was uh, just as, that is my overriding memory from from joe was just his absolute enthusiasm for football and his hunger i remember sam afton telling coley slow down slow down coley because he was just full hell for leather every single day he was brilliant though. oh fantastic oh, player fantastic player next one yeah uh the next one so whenever i get asked the question who's the best player i ever played with i say him say this man here because i probably played with people that had better ability, right? um, more speed, more pace, more power. But 
this man here at the time when I left uh, Luton and we had, you know, we'd done really well. We got promoted from from what is the equivalent now of of League Two. I think we were runners up to Plymouth, weren't we? Yeah. Right, Mark? Yeah. So we were runners up to Plymouth. Uh, and then the whole move came about, about me getting the opportunity to go and play at Portsmouth. And and Harry, when he, when he mentioned this fellow's name and he said, oh, I'm looking to sign him, I said, yeah, good one. Like you're going to get him to come and play in the championship. He's like, no, no, we'll get him. We're going to get him, Matt. We're going to build the team around him. We're going to build the team around players, young players like you. Okay. Uh, just to give you a bit of context, he never warmed up. Um, I think I've got would, it. Yeah, he would sit in the corner of the changing room, Mark. So we'd turn up in a away game, right? We come off, we come down for pre-match, do all your pre-match. You'd, you'd get off the coach and go, go and sit in the dressing room. Gaffer had named the team, so Harry had named the team, and he'd sit in the corner, cup of tea, racing post with the gaffer. Just not, didn't warm up. Didn't, like, literally, did not warm up. So come back in, the boys are all sweating, everything, obviously, aren't they? They've had a good blast and a good blow. Still be sat there, and it'd get to about five to three. Captain, by the way, he's captain, get to five to three. He'd do his, he's brilliant. He'd do his, put his, pull his socks up, put his boots on, go out and be the best player every week. And he used to just say to me, Tails, run, and I'll find you. So what? Tails, run, and I will find you. And the outside of his right foot used to find me near every single game. Have you, have please you tell me know it is, Marv. No. I've got one. I've got that. I think no. I've got it. It's I'll be English. honest. I, I, when you said he's English, English yeah. it, it, threw, yeah. it, it, it threw me. He is I English, yeah. I, I'm going to make a real oh, punch. Yes, I've got it now. I have got it now. I have got it. I have got it. Go, Sorry. Go on, go on then, Marv. I was going to say Paul Merson. Yeah. That's right, Marvin, yeah. Yes. I, I was thinking Carnu as well. I don't know why, but I thought maybe... Oh, can't, no, no, no. You can't, you can't call him Carnu. We have to call him the King, because that was all we ever called Carnu. We never called him Carnu. We called him King. <laughs> No, the Tissy, Marv, we'd never called him Carnu, we called him the King. He was that good. But uh, really? the world's biggest there. feet in football, didn't he, Carnu? Didn't he have yeah, humongous he feet? Yeah, he had, he had big feet, but well, he had. What? His touch what? was a joke. It was. The King. Sorry. Well, going, back to, going, going back to Merson. Uh, the actually, person you named, yeah. yeah. I played against. <laughs> I mean, I played against Merson in, in the youth yeah. team, in the youth cup, yeah. when he's at Arsenal. So, I mean. Yeah. We are the simulator, and he, I mean, and he was a talent then. So, I mean, and he went on, obviously, to have a, a much, much, like, fantastic career than I'd ever had, but he was at Arsenal as a kid. But, like, even from that age of the age of 17 and 16, I knew then that he was a player, you know, without a doubt. Yeah, he just used to say, Marv, he just said to me, Tails, run. Seriously, that was it. Yeah. No, no, nothing more. I, I'd like to tell you that, but he played as a 10. Harry, Harry played him in as a 10, so... But he just used to. I remember some of the passes, and it was it was the no look outside of his right boot, and he used to curl round, and then all of a sudden it'd end at me. Uh, never in terms of his leadership, he he did his leadership by the way he played. You know, you play for some people on the pitch, and their leadership skills are they'll bark at you, they'll shout at you because it helps them as well. Merce didn't need that; he just show you what to do. Um, did he train? Did he train well every day? Probably not, but he was at a stage in his life probably where uh, football had pretty much achieved everything. And I think that Harry, in terms of his management of him, was genius. Because did he, was Paul desperate to play football? I don't know. But Harry just gave him that uh, enjoyment back and let him just go and play and express himself. He expressed himself. 
I remember the last game of the season, I think it was Bradford away, and um, the boys all wore white boots. So we had Gianluca Festa played centre-half, and he owned a company called A-Line. Do you ever remember those boots called yeah. from A-Line? Well, that was his yeah. company. And this was before white boots and sort of any multicoloured boots were uh, anything to go by. And all the boys, I was injured, but I went up to see the game. And all the boys wore these white A-line boots. You'd never seen, never heard of. And won 6-0. And Merce is dinking over and just think, oh my God, look at him. But yeah, he was he was a joy to play with. He made my life so easy. He just played left wing back, tails. When he runs past you that way, you run with him. But then he runs back that way, you run with him. But then you've got to run past him that way and Paul's going to find you with the ball. So, okay, Gaff. All right, Gaffer. Cheers. So basically, you just want me to go up and down. Yeah, he went, yeah. And then when you get in there, tails, put it in. Okay, no problems, thanks. <laughs> it was easy for me, though. It was very easy. I had good players around me. What's he? I mean, you see him on TV now. He does a lot of punditry. You still, you get it over here in Australia, and you can still hear him. Um, was he knowledgeable about football then? I know you said that he guided you and told you to do this simple thing. But could you? Did you think he'd be a manager, or do you think he's much more of a pundit? I don't know, really. It's difficult to it's difficult to kind of gauge that, isn't it? But what I would say now is that I sit and watch him. And I'll sit and listen to what he says. And I think that we, as football fans, can resonate with a lot of what he says. I think the fact that he has done it for such a long period of time, he's one of the the mainstays now when you look at any football, really, um, on a Saturday afternoon on Sky. I think he's he's done really well for himself. And to see him on there, he always looks to see him having, he's having a laugh and having a joke. But a lot of the stuff that he says is is actually on point in terms of the technical detail. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy um, Soccer Saturday with, uh, yeah. with him. They all seem to have a laugh. And I know, you know what I like about him, Tails? I mean, I don't, I don't know him personally. Obviously, I mean, I feel when I'm watching him, right, and I'm seeing him talk and speak, he's acting like himself. He's being real. Whereas you hear some, ex, some ex-players go on or, and you see him on TV and they're talking – and you can just tell by the way they're reacting there, they're like thinking about the question, that question, I need to answer it yeah. this way. You know, you can see, but with Merton, it's like, he's just being him. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, totally, Marv. What you see with him is is 100% genuine. And that's, I think, why the public love him so much and Sky do. So yeah. hopefully not yeah. continue. And obviously in, in the 90s, and the late 90s, he went through a hell of a lot of um, difficulties in his own personal life. Um did he, uh, and we're not here to, for you to divulge some of those things, I'm sure they're personal and he might have spoken about them, but did he go into any of those things as, as lessons for for younger players coming through? No, 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 he didn't, no, never spoke about anything. So uh, we were, I suppose, oblivious to a lot of the stuff that, that might have happened in his life. But no, what's what's wonderful to see that he's, he's turned everything around and he looks healthy and happy now. So, but from that point of view, no, Merce was, you know, a, a really good teammate in terms of what he did on the training pitch and on the pitch. He moved on from that side, that part of his life by the sound of it, and he wanted to leave it in the past. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it takes a lot of strength. This is going to be interesting now. This number one striker, Here we go. this lone striker is going to be. This is very number, interesting. Number nine on his own, Marvin. That's no, not really. I've, so I've ummed and ummed and ahed about. So just to, so I played with I played with some really good strikers, right? I, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with big Andy Carroll. Andy is if you're going to play one up front, he could be. You know, your focal point, he used to occupy three or four defenders every time the ball went up to him, and he's still doing it now. Um, played with different types of strikers. I mean, Ben Jani at Portsmouth, 
he he just he, he struggled when he first came in terms of scoring, and then he couldn't stop scoring. Yeah, and then uh, he got the big money move sold. to Man City, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, again, brilliant. Uh, and, but I could have picked Teddy, Teddy Sheridan. You know, Teddy. Oh, yeah. When I played with Ted, Ted was again fantastic, phenomenal footballer. Uh, could have picked. I was fortunate enough to play with Andy Cole. Uh, I think if I'd have played, obviously with Coley uh, in the pomp of his career, then a hundred percent he'd have been in my team. But I went for somebody that uh, I played with at Port. Sorry, I played with at Portsmouth. He didn't really run Marv. Right. He okay. wasn't the hardest working centre forward that I played with, but he was the calmest and the yeah, goals he scored. Some of them. Ridiculous. Yeah, some of the goals he scored, but he just. He never went in the gym, but he was built like I don't know without swearing. He was yeah. built, you know, he was huge, but he never went in the gym. And that that's not a fabrication, that is the gospel truth. He did not right. go in the gym. And I mean I mean I, just, I'm I, I'm 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 thinking I had it in my head straight away, right? But I'm thinking, is Tails too young to have played with him though? But anyway, I maybe, could be wrong. I don't know. Go on, uh, go on. I in terms of international football, football is he's African. He plays. He used to play. Um, obviously, a lot of international football. He's one of the nicest men you want to meet. I met him about six months ago. No, it would have been just before this pandemic. Uh, at a game, couldn't believe I'd seen him. Played up at Middlesbrough. Played for Portsmouth. And you got it. Played at Everton. I had it. I, I Everton. can't believe how you played with him. I got it straight uh, away. Yeah, played in the Middle East. Played, I think it might have even played in maybe Turkey, something like that. Just, just so calm. He, nothing phased him ever. And his penalties. Andrew? I mean, just, come on, Andrew. He, he used to, he used to walk to his. Get penalties. off my back, Andrew. Come on now. I'm, I'm flying yeah. now. I'm on. Just, I'm thinking. Thinking. He played for Middlesbrough, Andrew, right? Andrew, I I've got one. Walk. I could be walk for his penalties, and the goal, he'd wait for the goalkeeper to move. And then pass it in the slowest you've ever seen it, and then just jog off as if nothing had happened and put his arm in the air. Come on, Andrew. Oh. You call yourself a podcaster. See, this is what I'm talking Tales, Tales, Tales. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is about. what you're dealing with, Mark. It come out of traps, right? It come out of trap like a greyhound, right? But he's forgetting to finish the race. He's forgetting to go to the line. And now, bang, bang. No, we, 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 we're, it's getting dark. Right, go on, go on. Yakubu. The Yak. The, the yak. yak. The Yak. He, uh, just a goal scorer, Marvin, an out oh. goal scorer. He came alive in the box and just used, he, used to, he never called me tail, he used to call me Matty. He used to say to me, Matty, put the ball in the box, I'll be in there. I was all right, Yak. Yak. Never called him Yakubu, always Yak. Yes, Yak. Uh, he... I remember him scoring a couple of goals and there was about three or four of us on his back and he's still going. We've all jumped on top of him and he's still going. He's just going. And you're like, what? okay. But and yeah, he, what? And he never went in the gym whatsoever. Oh, never Marvin. No, no, no. No, Marvin. But when you had the, natu the natural attributes that he had, so first and foremost, he was one of the calmest players I've ever played with, by the way. Nothing phased him. If he missed, oh, it doesn't matter. Next one. He scored, oh, it doesn't matter, next one. Nothing phased him, Marv, ever, ever. She used to, you know, we get a penalty and I wouldn't even have the slightest inkling of, oh, it's going to I'd know, it's a goal. Because all he'd do is he'd wait, he'd walk so slowly, 
and just wait for the goalkeeper to walk one way and then just literally roll it along the floor the other way. Just, yeah, he was a phenomenal talent. But again, you know, um, I'd like to say that all 11 players in my team are good people. A really good guy as well, mate. But yeah, I saw him um, probably, it'll be about a year ago now. And um, he had a similar reaction to you. Bloody hell, Matty. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I said to him, yeah, but Marv, Marv, Marvin, you had a hard paper round, Yak, so I was all right. <laughs> He's a great player. Fantastic player. I can't believe. Sorry. Great goal scorer. I know. And he yeah. was at Everton as well, wasn't he? Yeah, Everton, Middlesbrough. Everton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah played for, I saw for him Everton. the other day. Somebody had taken a photo of him. Um, and he was yeah, it was, he was an Amazon delivery, wasn't it, or something? That was it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that it on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was quite a funny tweet, and he was just sticking his thumbs up, wasn't he? Yeah. Really nice. It just seemed like a really yeah. normal guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So you're gonna right now have to choose um, a manager to oversee this team. And you didn't tell me that, did you, Mark? Did I not um, do that? Oh, I apologise. No, if, no, oh. no, I'm only joking. Um, uh, there's only. So you, you're not trying to guess this one as well, are you? No. Well, we would have done, but easy. I think I know it. Yeah, it's going to be easy. I mean, of all those characters you've got in there, I think it is going no, to be do you easy. No, do you know what? I reckon it's down to two. What? I reckon it'll be one or two, actually. Well, go on then. Tell me who you think it is. I reckon one it's either two. Harry Redknapp or Sam Allardyce. I can't work out which one it'll nope. be. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Do you know who it's going to be? It's uh, Lenny, Marv. Lenny? Because... Okay. Wow. Because Lenny gave me my debut. Lenny taught me alongside John so much about football uh, and if, if it wasn't for John and um, being in that volleys gym Marv right every day <laughs> no, no, no. so, so much yeah. it's brilliant it's come <laughs> but, up so much in the podcast the volleys gym if it wasn't for John and Lenny being in that volleys gym because you don't know it with that little you know the the disused goal right the net and a little bit of astroturf but ball in the wall stuff and the ball on the wall and the volleys and the touch if it wasn't for that and you didn't know we came out of there we trained we did our jobs yet yeah, major everything was done we used to go in there as a yt and lenny and john and come in there and from two o'clock till five o'clock every day mark and the little light used to go in there and turn on you'd go in in the winter and obviously you go in at two o'clock three o'clock and it's light you'd come out and it's pitch black and you've got to go across the pitch and up and down and everything like that it was um yeah, Lenny for me, because he showed the, the faith in me. He probably didn't have a huge amount of choice at the time, Marv, because of the constraints that the club were in in terms of money. Mitchell had left, hadn't he? Mitchell yeah. was playing on the left. And and then I got the opportunity to, to go and play. Um, but yeah, Lenny. And you know, do you know how it all came about, Marv, me going um, and getting in the first team? Do you know well, how it came about? I'm not so sure. Do you, remember, do you remember that Kelvin used to have a goalkeeping coach come up once or twice a week with him. Do you ever remember? Kelvin, so what, this Kelvin guy, did he? Yeah, did so, he? Kelv, so Kelvin so Kelvin had a goalkeeper coach. Right? I was a first year, right. right? He'd come in, knocked on the door. You know our little dressing room we had, which, yeah. was, which was at the top of the tunnel, opposite yeah. the tunnel, right? Knocked on there and he went, any of you little left-footed? I went, yeah. He went, right, you'll come with me. And this was before training. So he said, right. So he said, get in the car. So he took me up to the rugby club with him because we obviously had to train at the stadium, didn't we? Yeah. So I went and told Lowy, look, obviously he's asked me to, yeah, that's fine, Tell, do whatever, he's a first team player. And that was because he wanted someone who was left footed to take shots in, right, from the youth team. And I said, yeah, I put my hand up, yeah, I'm left footed, Kel. Went, great, come with me then. And I'd do that before we trained. So every time he had a goalkeeping coach, and I'd go and do the, um, the shooting practice with him. And then 
<laughs> and then they needed somebody. You had somebody who had, who had dropped out and was left-footed in a possession or something like that up at the rugby. And I got the nod because I was left-footed and Kelvin had told the gaffer that I was left-footed. Yeah, take him for his left foot, yeah. That was the only way it came about. That was why I ended up training as a first that year. That was it? That was it. That's why I ended up training as a first year. And that was probably two and a half, three months after I'd signed as a 16-year-old. And that was it. That was it. Mad, isn't it? But it is, but obviously you're in the industry now of um, developing players, but it was an opportunity, but you took it, Matthew. You you got an opportunity and you took it. This is what I love. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you get so many, like, I mean, I don't know what it's like over there for you, but I mean, in over here, it's like, oh, we don't get an opportunity. Oh, you don't get a chance. I mean, you, 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 you would always get an opportunity, in my opinion, right? But I don't think some of these kids see it. I don't think they realize it. And I always say to, I mean, I know I coach girls, but I always say to the girls, listen, make sure you conduct yourselves, warm up and everything. Listen, because you never know who's watching. You just don't know who's watching. Yeah, totally agree. I think the thing, the thing for me is, is that, um, and we've done a few studies on it at, at work. Uh, if I asked you when at uh, 16, 17, whatever age, when you're getting an opportunity, you wouldn't know, would you? So I think the main thing is, is being ready. So we never know when the opportunity is going to arise. I didn't know that the opportunity would arise at that point. But what you can't do is you can't come off it for one, two, three, four, five days, because then when the opportunity does come, and because the way football is and elite sport is and the ruthlessness is, you're only going to get probably one chance, max two or three. So what you've got to do, got to do is be ready for that one chance. And I think that that in itself is probably, Marv, uh, one of the biggest things now in terms of the resilience maybe we had because we grew up in a different world. Now, yeah. that's not that's not suggesting that that kids now, because they're different to us or... Maybe that they're because of the way they've been conditioned, it's not their fault because of the world that they're in. The world they're brought up in now is different to the world that we were brought up in. You know, there are different values that formulate what life is. We're in the digital age, we, we have access to everything. So, at my at 16, I didn't know what the equivalent 16 year old when I was 16 was doing in Manchester. I didn't know what trainers they wore. I wasn't aware of what social media accounts they followed and what interests they had. So I was more tunnel visioned, I suppose, whereas now kids have got much broader um, knowledge because they have much more sort of access to everything, don't they? Have much more access to information. Oh, definitely, 100%. But going back to your question, Marv, for me, 100% has to be that no one will know when your opportunity is coming. What you've got to do is make sure you're ready for when it does come because when it comes, it will probably go just as quick. And that's probably a message that we talk about a lot is that just make sure every day you continue to train hard, you continue to make sure you do everything right. So when that opportunity does arise, you're not having to flick a switch because it won't happen and it won't, you won't get where you want to get to if you don't formulate the correct habits. It's quite simple. That's true. We're going to move on to obviously what you're doing now, but like just before we do yeah. do that, um, and I, I mean, I don't know which game it could be, but I mean, <clears> the question what we asked is, um, what is your most memorable looting game and why? God, you put me on the spot here, Marv. My most memorable looting game. Yeah, and why? Uh, it could be your would, would either, could have been, could either, be anything. That would either be the first game that I played, which was away to Notts County at Meadow Lane, which was obviously my debut, um, or the last game I played, which I think 
I don't know where that was. Might have been one for some reason. I'm thinking Shrewsbury. Don't know. Um, at the old Shrewsbury ground. I don't know why I'm thinking. Uh, or it might have been Swansea away or something like that. But if I was being honest, it probably would be my first um, premiere of my first professional appearance. Because did you know leading up to the week you could be playing, or was it a case of like, well, I'm in the squad and I've not been told? I knew that Lenny fancied me because I'd done well and scored goals in pre-season. And I'd probably uh, exceeded my expectations and probably overachieved my to be honest. But I was playing with no fear because I, I didn't have any fear because I had no expectation of what it was going to be like. So it didn't really matter because if I failed, well, it didn't really matter, Marv, because everyone expected I was going to fail anyway because I was a young kid that had only just come into the building. So, yeah, pre-season, I remember playing and that being a massive wake-up call to me. But where, where Lenny was, you know, so good... In terms of that first game, he went, he went to this. Well, I think he took me off after about 80 minutes. And I remember him saying to me, well done, son. You know, that's your first one under your belt. You won't be playing that, you know, regularly now. I played 46 games that season, Marv. I started every league game. <laughs> but he was brilliant. Right? And, and, and I remember... And it was sort of that, that, yeah, it was sort of that kind of uh, reverse psychology one. And then it, he, made, he made sure that even though I was playing in the first team, that I still got changed with the YTs and I still cleaned the boots. I was cleaning players' boots who were in the reserves and in the away team dressing room and Lenny made me do it. I wasn't allowed, Marvin, in your changing room to get changed. Lenny made me stay in the other changing room and I'm playing every week for the first team. He's like, no, 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 you haven't earned it yet. Right? Remember it. I don't know if this happened to you. Do you, do you ever remember you getting offered your first contract? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can remember, I can remember it. I can remember it like it was yesterday with David Pleat. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if yours was the same, but like, I mean, I've walked into the office and it's a case of well, I mean, again, I wasn't sure if I was going to get a pro or not. Do you know what I mean? I could have been been told I could have been released, so I've walked in and he's gone, sit down. Um, you've done really, really well, and we would like to offer you. And then once he had said that, tells that yeah. was. All I heard, and now yeah, he, he could have literally. Went, yeah, he went. No, but he did go. He went for the contract, and he said, "We're going to offer you this." But I couldn't tell you what that figure was. It could have been one p or five p. I was, I was just happy. I was signing it. It doesn't matter. I was like, yes, sort of thing. So the money didn't matter to me. It wasn't about the money. It was about we're going to give you a professional contract. I couldn't remember anything else after that. No, mine was similar. I walked in, just Lenny in there. All right, son. And, you know, Len just it sat behind his desk and you're right, son. At this point, I, I was just, I think I was just coming up, uh, I was just 17, just, so it was just before my 17th birthday. And he went, uh, you've been doing, and I trained a couple of times with you guys. This was the Kelvin thing where it happened. Right. I want to offer you a professional contract, son. Okay. All right, Gaffer. He went, yeah, there's no negotiation. I went, All right, no worries. On a piece of Luton Town headed paper, I swear to you, my mum and dad have got it in the loft still, in an envelope. It is in the loft. I've got it. I've got the really? piece of paper that was written on there, yeah. What the offer was, it's non-negotiable, son. It's non-negotiable. Like, that's, that's fine. That's fine, Gaffer. Uh, the figures, of, I think it's about 170 quid a week. It was nothing, right? And he, yeah. he went, this is what you sign. I went, okay, okay. And as I'm walking out the door and he went, you speak to your parents, yeah. said, but are you going to sign it? I said, yeah, yeah, of course I am. I'm buzzing. As I'm walking out the door, he hit me with, but if you sign this, you've got to pay for your own digs now, son. <laughs> so it ended up, I didn't end up saving any money because I was paying a tenner a night in the digs. The club, were, the club weren't paying for it. Yeah. But it, it was okay because I was a professional. Yeah. 
no negotiating, son. This is what you sign us. Okay, Gaffer, no worries. Didn't even think to to kind of go, nah, I'm not signing that. There was never, it was no, just right, done. okay, this is the contract, I'm doing it. Yeah. Of course. So, no, brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. So, Lenny gets in there. Yeah. Yes. So, you're currently under 18s um, coaching, managing at Tottenham. Um, you were speaking earlier about you took your B licence as well. So, obviously, that's what you're doing at the moment. Where do you see yourself going as well? It's exactly, it goes back to the conversation we've just been having about being a player. Because what, so I think the thing for me is, is that, so I've been in this role, I retired 20 months ago, 21 months ago. And so I retired in 2019, in May. I'd had enough of playing, the the joy had gone. I just, I was done. I'd, I'd had a hell of a good go. It achieved, and if, you know, far more than I ever thought I would, right? So, but from about the age of 30, I decided I wanted to start my coaching badges, purely and simply because I wanted to have a plan for when I finished playing because I'd seen so many players that I'd played with that had come up to the point of retirement and kind of gone, oh, wow, what am I going to do now? So it's irrelevant how well you've done financially out of the game for anyone, in my opinion, because what you what you need to do is have a purpose every day when you finish. Because Marv will tell you this, right? You retire where you go from... This is what you should eat. This is what you should drink. This is what time you should go to bed. This is what time you should wake up. This is what time you've got to be here. The bus is put on for you. You, it, In a lot of ways, it's similar to an army routine, whereas it's very regimented. And then you go from waking up one morning going, all right, I'm done now. So what, I can have a glass of wine tonight if I want one. Or what, I can eat a burger. I can go to McDonald's. You go. So that whole process, I was really fortunate that I was, I retired I'd finished all my coaching badges. I'd done my pro license. I'd got it all done when I was playing because I wanted to be in a position that if I did get offered a job, I could take it. And fortunately for me, um, the role came became available at Tottenham. Um, and I'm a boyhood Tottenham fan as well. So uh, it was, you know, it was one where, you know, I was really sort of happy to, um, to go into. However, very naively, as per usual, I jump in head first. Um, probably thought um, I knew far more about football than I, than I actually did. And the last 18 to 20 months have been an unbelievably um, enriching experience for me in terms of my knowledge of football and my development and working with players on a daily basis and seeing sort of young men, mature young men become better people, become better on a football pitch. And I think that that in itself, and Marv will tell you this from working um, with younger players, it's it's just so fulfilling to see these these young people uh, turn into to young men and start to understand football better. But first and foremost, really kind of take a lot more on board, sort of pastorally with them and chat, you know, having those conversations and and helping them out. So yeah, that's pretty much um, sums it up. The only problem is, I think I'm addicted. I absolutely love it. Brilliant. <laughs> you're, addicted to, you're addicted to that. I mean, I've got a really interesting question. Well, I think it's an interesting question. You're at one of the top clubs, obviously, in the Premiership, working with the elite ones who are now probably 18. If there's going to be any chance of them looking to progress Tottenham, they're going to be knocking on the door realistically now as an 18 year old 17 18 short 18 year old which obviously there was one i'm trying to think of his name now scoring the cup I, I mean what was his name the one who scored in the cup came on a sub you got him from yeah. you brought him from young boy 
Wigan, yeah, yes. from Wigan. I mean, yes. someone like that. Playing that game again. No, I'll, I'll get his name in a yeah. minute, but like, I That's wanted them to move on with the question. But anyway, you've come up through the ranks. I know it was Luton, right? But in my opinion, I'm just going on my opinion now on how the game's changed so much. Some of these kids I hear talking about, I feel like they're entitled and they've, they're better than what they are because, and they've not done nothing. They've not even played yes. a, a single game. How, how have you found working, like I said, at a top club like that and having to deal with maybe, I'm not saying there is players like at your club, but deal with players. No, we haven't. So from a personal point of view, I haven't seen that. But I, right. but I don't liken that to football, Marv. I liken that to the way kids are nowadays True. because I've got three kids, Marv, and it's partly my fault that they're the way they are and I accept full responsibility for it because part of what you want to do is you want to give your kids everything you can do. Right. And then there becomes that sense of entitlement. And I talk about my kids because I think it's easier to do it that way. That mm-hmm. they want sort of if my daughter texts me, she wants to reply straight away. I'm at work or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. She doesn't have a dad, then she'll phone me. Um so I, I think that the entitlement is partly to blame from us as parents. Right? And I that's why I talk about my kids because I give them far more than I ever had. And that is my fault. And I get that. And it's difficult not to do it. But then I suppose it's trying to keep them on the straight and narrow in terms of at work. No, I, I don't see that. So I can't comment on that from, from that perspective. But from from my perspective of being a parent, yeah, my kids are far more entitled than I am. But that, I, is that is that maybe the world is now the way the world is? It, it, but that's that, that's no different. I think Andrew's a parent. I think that's the. I mean, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. My parents yeah. did the best for me and gave me as much as they could give what they didn't have. And I'm exactly the same with my kids. And I think it's like you have just spoke about it there now. I mean, I'm sure I don't know Andrew. I mean, you you mean growing up and being a little lad. I mean, you you felt that your parents, I'm guessing, would give you everything they could give you, which was what they didn't have, and you're probably doing the, the same thing with your Oh, yeah, my now. kids are much getting much more than I ever did. We said yeah. to me and my wife yeah. said the other day, we said, you're spoiled. Do you realise how, like they said, oh, I went to the carnival yesterday, and, and the next day, we want to go again. Well, no. <laughs> Just things like that. So you're right, mate, in terms of the and, – and this is a, this is a um, seven-year-old. So – it is a little bit of that and that culture. And because I, I work as a teacher, I definitely see it all day, every day in high school. And that's what I see. They, they've changed. It's it's the we liken it to called the on-demand generation. They don't have to wait. When was the last time I had to wait for anything? No, and that's 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 the modern technology side of it, isn't it? And that's yeah. that, we can't do anything about that. That's just unfortunately the way that the world has gone for, for them. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is it, that, look at it from their point of view, though, Marv. It must be it no. must be difficult for kids as well. Of course. So I, I know mean, we I know we look at it from our point of view because we didn't go through it. But in terms of the, the things that kids have to deal with now that we didn't have to deal with and how yes. simple our lives were. And when you went home from school, that was it. Like you weren't contactable. You literally dumped your school bag and you said to your mum, right, mum, I'll be back in for dinner. I'll be back in for tea and you want to play football. Mm-hmm. Right? It, just life was, but life was so much more simple back then. You know, I, that so yeah, I think it's tough for them. I'm not making excuses for for children and for young adults now. But going back, I mean, going back to what you said, I'm not having a dig at her. I mean, this is my daughter, and I love her to bits. Uh, I remember being like 
speaking to one of my, my, my first wife at the time when I was when I was married and said, Oh, let's go away on the on holiday, but let's go to France or but let's go a drive, let's drive and we'll stay in the hotels yeah. or whatever on the way. That sort of trip. And so growing up for me, tells my parents, we never we never went anywhere on an airplane. We didn't fly. We we mean we no. couldn't afford it. And like it was just like we went to Cornwall. Cornwall, that's where we used to go. Yeah, and so we if up until then, we used to go to Spain or fly to wherever, just like I mean, nowhere flash flashy, yeah. but just like somewhere sunny and warm. So I said to um, I think my daughter at the time, <laughs> you'll hate me talking about this if she listened to this. I think she must have been about six or seven or whatever. And then I said, oh, we're going to go on holiday. And so we're driving now and, we've, and we're stopping at a couple of places on route. And she goes, dad, dad, when are, when are, when are, when are we going... Um, the airplane. I went, what do you mean? I said, we're driving there. She went, we're driving where? I said, we're driving, we're going on holiday. She goes, no, it's not a holiday because we're not going on an airplane. So she associated like yeah. going on holiday yeah, with an airplane. Yeah. And I didn't fly anywhere, Dale. Do you mean? Like, so yeah. just in that in itself, to me, is, well, we're not, this is not a holiday because we didn't fly. No, oh, no. You're right. You're right, mate. So um, what we'd like to finish off with is give you an opportunity yeah. to s- pass a message on to um, any fans who are listening, uh, particularly during these tough times. I know uh, I, my, I'm very privileged over here in Australia uh, with the way we manage COVID compared to, say, Marvin yourself. But is there anything you want to pass on to any fans of any of the clubs you've worked for or, or played for um, or anything like that? I think the, the, the key message would be, first and foremost, to just say thank you to, to everybody that supported me throughout my career. And uh, I, I would like to say that everybody that ever watched me play or everybody that was ever a fan of a team that I played for would never and could never um, question my commitment to the to that team's cause and I think that was something that was that was really important to me because as a football fan you can forgive mistakes you can forgive a misplaced pass I think the biggest thing that that sometimes when I watch football now at whatever level to see players not giving it a hundred percent I think is, is something that um, isn't acceptable. So what I would say is at these times, I just hope that everybody is staying safe and being sensible. Obviously, in the UK, we're starting a vaccination process as they are, hopefully, in America and Australia and, um, and starting to try and get all of the, the COVID and this pandemic under control so that, we can, so that we can get back to normal life. But the biggest thing I would say is that I do appreciate and understand just how lucky I am at the moment uh, and my colleagues are in football to still be able to go to work because we understand that a lot of people's lives have been um, destroyed by this pandemic and people have lost their livelihoods. And and ultimately, lots of people in the world have made the ultimate sacrifice and that's losing their lives. So we know how how dangerous it is. And I think from, from my point of view, to be able to go to work every day, to do what I love, I feel extremely fortunate. So, um, you know, I hope everybody stays safe all around the world and, and we can sort of try and beat this together because I think that's the only way we're all going to do it. I don't see it being one country doing one thing and another doing another. I think that we all need to stick together. And and hopefully this brings together some sense of humanity to us all and, and maybe makes the world a slightly nicer, better place to, to live. So that would be my... No, thank you. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so okay, that, was, um, that was Matty Taylor's My Best 11. Thank you so much, Matty.